Konnichiwa. Onamaiwa Ichi desu. Hello again, fellow listeners. It's Millie. And, And this, this is Favorite Movie Scene. If you recall, Millie has requested for today's film pick to be one that reminds me of her. I had a tough time deciding between Little and Stitch and Spirited Away, but we already reviewed some Disney films, so I thought, what better way to play homage to the filmmaking great Hayao Miyazaki than through a conversation on the feature film that won him an Oscar? Uh, actually, I kind of expected Lilo and Stitch, but not so much Spirited Away. So, I want to know your reasons for selecting this film. We've rewatched many Studio Ghibli films together, and I must say that there is something spellbinding about Miyazaki's films. It's quite hard to put in words, but today I'll try a bit harder. More on that later, but you can count on us to give you the TLDW. Too long didn't watch for the movie we'll be talking about in the episode. But if you aren't a fan of spoilers, we suggest pausing here and watching the movie first. Wait, is that a tunnel I see? <laughs> and what's that delicious smell? That is how the 2001 Japanese animated fantasy film begins. On the ride to her new home in the suburbs, a petulant young Chihiro lies on the car seat with a bouquet of flowers, lamenting the move. The lull of the journey comes to a literal stop when her father attempts to take a shortcut on a dirt road, bringing the family head to head with the guardian spirit standing before an enigmatic tunnel. The delicious smell of food seduces Chihiro's parents further into an abandoned amusement park. Following his hunger, Chihiro's father discovers an open-air eatery piled with varieties of food. Her mother and father do not hesitate to dig in, despite the absence of a shopkeeper. Chihiro, on the other hand, senses that something is amiss and investigates further. As night falls, her fear turns into terror as the once empty amusement park begins to swarm with strange spectres. She races back to get her parents to leave at the advice of a mysterious boy, Haku, only to discover that her parents have been transformed into pigs. Realizing that she's trapped, Chihiro tries to keep her wits about her as she navigates the liminal space between the living and the supernatural. With Haku's help, Chihiro gains employment at the bathhouse owned by the witch Yubaba. But in signing the contract, Chihiro must give up her name. Time is of the essence but it is also slipping from Chihiro's hands. Will she find a way to break the spell on her parents before they end up as food for the guests? And how will she find her way home? Well, curiosity killed the cat, but let's see if satisfaction will bring it back. I've been dying to know why you chose this film since you told me about your selection, so please bring me back to the realm of the living. <laughs> a lot of expectation there, but a lot of... This film is about overcoming huge internal struggles and I feel that you constantly display that kind of courage 
uh, while still maintaining a childlike wonder and willingness to experience more of life, similar to Chihiro. I think that's an amazing mindset to have and to still uphold in spite of how challenging the world can be. I, I wish I could see myself with your eyes, so yeah, thank you. Well, uh, similar to the real world, there's a degree of psychological horror associated with the show, right? But just bear with me for a moment. Everyone dreads growing up eventually. And in this film, the child, Chihiro, is forced to become an adult almost spontaneously and fend for herself in an unfamiliar world, right? So if her parents were cursed to become pigs, then she most definitely was cursed with independence in this case. Naturally, she has help, but in trying to survive, she has to start working both metaphorically and literally to continue to live, right? I would say that she gradually loses her innocence throughout the film. Her first two nights manifest anxiety similar to how an adult worries about failure constantly. And in this case, her failure to rescue her mom and dad. The film plays and also challenges the concept of courage. Uh, Chihiro's parents weren't adventurous when they went exploring. They were actually quite careless, right? Mm -hmm. And lacked a lot of sensitivity. Even the dad, when he said that he has cash and credit just in case when he was grabbing the food, further emphasizes this fact. Uh, Chihiro, on the other hand, resolves to rescue her mom and dad after the situation. When the situation goes south, she takes charge immediately and vocalizes this responsibility, right? I will rescue you, mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And it's both a realization as well as a declaration that he, she has a goal. Uh, the situation forces her to be brave because the alternative is simply to despair and then fade away. And we see this, right? When she kneels down in front of the ship. This isn't a criticism of how people can crumble in the face of adversity, but rather a kind of recognition that ultimately you have to use your own power to help yourself. She cries, but then she stands up again. Mm -hmm. The resolve to stand up, even with the help of others, is true bravery, right? We see in the film, Chihiro's legs become immobilized and she asks Haku for help after she feeds her something. Following that, she subsequently conquers her own fear of heights, your favorite scene, <laughs> via the gap stairs, right? So I felt that this entire sequence of events is a constant overcoming of fear in order to keep going. Yeah, for me, that sense of fear is what makes this a truly great film. It's not just good, it's great. And I know of people who actually refuse to watch animated movies, I mean Japanese or otherwise, because they claim that, you know, um, cartoons, they usually call it cartoons, yeah. the animated films are subpar compared to live action films. Honestly, sorry not sorry, but I think these people are misguided. I don't exactly remember when I watched Spirited Away, but like Princess Bride, it was not a childhood film for me. I may have watched it like slightly before we went to university, I think. But something I can say with certainty is that it is the first film ever in my life that left me awestruck. And I mean this not in the same way that, you know, crushed the turtle from Finding Nemo. You know, the dude guy who's constantly like, yeah, dude, yeah. dude. Yeah, I know. it's not like how Crush would say that. Awesome or totally sweet, dude. It's not that kind of awesome, you know. But in the sense of really that I was filled with both horror and wonder at the same time. It gave me goosebumps. Yeah, it was really something I have never ever seen before. Mm -hmm. And as someone who really enjoys children's lit, I appreciate the way 
Miyazaki captures the world from the perspective of a child, of Chihiro. And this is not purely about like camera angles. You know, when they first enter into the abandoned theme park and she looks up, right? I can really tell that that's from the angle of a child. But also about how Miyazaki sets up the fallibility of adults because of what they do not see. Right, you know how like in Chinese cultures or in some other cultures, I think mostly Asian yeah. cultures, you know, when we were young, we were often told that, you know, children can see ghosts, but adults can't mm-hmm. see the ghosts. And I think that this idea comes from the fact that children have an intuition for danger, but also for evil and also for goodness. Okay. Right. So actually this film kind of reminded me of another film also that I watched. This one I watched when I was a kid. So I'll recommend it to you and everybody else who liked Spirited Away. Uh, in Chinese, the film title is Mo Fa Ama. Uh, and the English title is actually Grandma and Her Ghost. And it's actually a 1998 Taiwanese animated film. So like Spirited Away, it also deals with this idea of a spiritual realm. And it's actually centered on a young child who becomes the hero of the film. I also remember that during our rewatch of Spirited Away, yeah, just now you mentioned my favorite scene, right? Actually, it's the scariest scene to me, right? It's the one where Chihiro has to descend this, like, impossibly long wooden staircase without handrails. Okay, I think the without handrails part is the part that really freaks me out. And she did exactly what I would do. I would lower my butt and, like, painfully drag myself down step by step. Mm-hmm. I think... Yeah, I mean, people probably say that, yeah, there are more frightening scenes in Spirited Away. But I think why this particular scene stuck with me is because it's a fear I felt before and I could recognize immediately. Right, it's a kind of primal internal fear that is also something I can relate to very well because I have a fear of heights. Mm -hmm. But it also extends to people being near edges of tall places. So in this case, I was really hoping that Chihiro was going to make it while I was watching. (laughs) But something really cool about the film is how it deals with spirituality and the environment. Now, in the background of modernity and advancement, right, there's this very old classic look of the spirit world. And I think it really grounded the spirit world as a place of tradition and thus a very strong spiritual and cultural identity associated to the look. I think um, in this case, when the characters abandoned the car at the entrance, it was something that really stood out to me during and after the film. You can see the characters still constantly rush as they step into the world of spirits after abandoning the vehicle. And Chihiro's parents keep in motion in spite of their comments that, you know, while they're enjoying the scenery, the breeze is great. But they're constantly moving forward to the amusement park without stopping and enjoying the moment. Chihiro's mother also says something that reveals her obsession with movement forward, right? You'll make us trip if you keep clinging on to me like that. And I think that's in constant opposition to Chihiro's own hesitation which I think the film eventually punishes the parents for it. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, the parents, you can see that they are quite self-indulgent and hedonistic. In fact, both parents constantly comment on how they are enjoying themselves. Constantly, even though the surrounding looks super creepy. Mm-hmm. Like if you understand Japanese and you can read the shop name, they actually describe body parts like eye shop oh. and fresh meat. And definitely not things that we are supposed to feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But what do you think of the spirit world initially? Well, uh, for me, okay, the first thing that comes to my mind is the beauty of the mise-en-scene that is really, like, unearthly to me. And really, I mean, kudos to the animators and the artists because, yeah, how do you achieve this quality of something being so unearthly that befits this world of spirited away? And, yeah, I mean, looking at it, 
we know we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> right? So, you remember that train station, right? Between yep. the tunnels opening and the theme park. The one with like the stained glass and the bird bath or what I think is a bird bath. Right? You mentioned... Actually, this was your idea. You mentioned that the train station functions like, you know, a waiting place. Purgatory, basically. This liminal space between two worlds. There was also actually another train station in the movie. The one that Chihiro and her band of Wizard of Oz-like friends had to get to in order to return the seal. Yeah, and yeah, that is actually one of my favorite moments in the film. So when Chihiro and No-Face were sitting down beside each other on the train ride. And personally, I've always been one of those people who love peering out of vehicles on the move. And you know that house that they pass on the way to returning the seal? Yeah. Yeah, So this is the one that's on an island by itself and the island has only one tree. I've always wanted that house. (laughs) Uh, Just being isolated and being nice Mm -hmm. in that space. Yes, very peaceful. Now, when I was talking about modernity in this case, right, mm-hmm. the characters actually mention the consequences of modernity in the film. Like Chihiro loses the childhood river she swam in due to a dam being built to develop the area. And we only find out about this at the end of the film, of mm-hmm. course. There's a later scene as well where ancient river spirit turns out to be rid of the pollution humans have wrought into it. So I read in an article that Miyazaki included that scene because of his own experiences cleaning up a river and seeing wildlife return to it. And I think that it's not just about the ecology of the river, right? It's also about how the indulgence of greed of people wanting more things and having more things and thus having rubbish also influences their surroundings negatively. If you take a look at how No Face is initially, I think he's really a vessel that takes on whatever influences he's surrounded with. Uh, in the bathhouse, where we can see greed is rampant and there's a lot of corruptive influences in every member of the staff, mm-hmm. No Face becomes this monster aberration of want, where he simply consumes without regard. Mm-hmm. The bathhouse staff themselves, I think they want gold for themselves and they feed his greed consequently. Yeah, there's a scene where he's like just gobbling everything. Yeah, and there's this cycle of greed that messes up the entire bathhouse. And, you know, surroundings become dirty, there's food everywhere. But this also pushes Chihiro, she's a bit of an outsider, right, she's the human, to move onward so that she can save her parents. Chihiro shows no face the same kindness she showed the river spirit and sacrificed this magical cure-all thing to save no face, the same way she saved Taku. Mm-hmm, yes. I felt that this childlike selflessness of helping whoever needs help now is something that adults miss. Like, we are all constantly saving things for ourselves and looking out for ourselves, right? Even more so now that times are unstable. And I think the film is trying to evoke that feeling of idyllic fellowship. But we also see that unique capability in order to be selfless, right? Yeah, definitely. I think Chihiro, like Wesley, is another protagonist I can identify with. And if I have to pick a favourite character... (laughs) It's going to be a really tough fight between Chihiro and No-Face. And I like them for entirely different reasons. Chihiro's kindness is not weakness, but exactly what saves her parents and Haku. And I also like that you mentioned how she sacrificed that magic pill given to her by the river spirit to save No-Face. To her, it was like the most logical and natural thing to do. You know, he seems to be in pain, so let me help him. 
and her bravery does not come from the absence of fear. But you can clearly see that she's afraid almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And Yubaba also makes this comment, right, where she says something about you are shaking, and we could also see the animation that she was visibly shaking when she was asking for employment. But you know, Chihiro, she just like pushes on like a champ, you know, and I really admire that about Chihiro. As for No Face, Right, something interesting is, you know, like, I remember receiving presents from my friends, like, you know, keychains, notebooks, stickers of the character, before I actually even watched the film. My first Ghibli was actually House Moving Castle and not Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. So, I guess one reason why was that I was a little bit afraid to watch Spirited Away because I was scared that it was going to be a disappointment. But eventually I did it and I'm glad to say that it surpassed my expectations. And of course, a very big thank you to my friends who know me better than I know myself because since then, I've grown to love No Face. So thank you for all the keychains, notebooks and all of that. And I think as a person, I'm very intuitively drawn to things that are different, that are strange. You know, when I was really very much younger, so um, Sanrio characters were very popular here. I remember liking this character, Bad Bad Maru's. Basically, he's this penguin who's like kind of sulky and like, yeah, basically he doesn't look too happy all the time. So I remember my mom when I told her, oh yeah, you know, this is my favorite character. She was some, she said something like, well, that's expected because you always like the weirdest one. Yeah, so (laughs) thanks for keeping it real, mom. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm sure there are many hot takes on what No Face represents, but I agree that he basically returns the energy that you give him. And Shihiro treats him with kindness just as she does with the ancient river spirit. And when he witnesses her struggling, so I mean, No Face witnesses her struggling to get the tags for the bath, he actually gathers more for her, but she turns him down. And this is in contrast to the greedy gold diggers who's like, yeah, you know, give me more gold, give me more money, who continuously keep taking and taking and taking. And honestly, if I were No Face, with all these gold diggers, I'd be tempted to eat them too, because they're so annoying. Right? So... I think while viewers are more inclined to remember him you know, just being super greedy and scary because he's just gobbling down the food, the three images that I have of No Face when I think about him are not the scenes from Buff House. The first is actually of him looking really lost on the bridge when we first see him, like a lost soul. And the second is um, what I've mentioned earlier of him sitting beside Chihiro in the train. And the last is actually of him, you know, in that scene where they say goodbye because he was he was going to be staying with Zanzibar as a helper when Chihiro leaves. So actually, I felt that he was just like a lost child who just needed someone to show him kindness. Mm. And when treated with this kind of love and kindness, No Face isn't scary at all. And that's the thing about many characters in Spirited Away. They have both light and dark in them. Another character's kindness that actually struck me at first was Kamaji's. He had no reason to help Chihiro actually, but he did. Even Haku, who establishes himself as a friend from the very start, has a darker side to him because he was being controlled as a worker by Yubaba. And on that, I think there's actually a lot about Spirited Away that's relevant to viewers today. I think something that's not really talked about is how the movie has a theme of labor going through it. We have the movers off-screen working for Chihiro's parents and they are actually treated quite off-handedly, right? Mm -hmm. They're saying, you know, it doesn't matter if the movers reach there first, they have the keys anyway. And Yubaba herself talks about her workers as slaves and it's heavily implied that the workers themselves aren't paid anything and have nowhere to go, 
priority in this giant dormitory together. And when Chihiro comes into the picture, she really has no place in this world. Her wanting to find work isn't for the sake of work, but rather for the goal of eventually saving her parents. In the world, you need to be working in order not to be turned into an animal by Yubaba. But also Yubaba herself talks about the oath she agreed to, to provide work to whoever asked for it. To emphasize that work itself is the means to an end. I think that this mindset is pretty widespread now. We don't want to work ourselves to death, earning money with no end in sight. But our previous generations and the bosses above us don't necessarily have that attitude, especially if they are so successful. Some of them are incredibly devoted to their work and as a consequence, force those below them to emulate this so-called hardworking behavior. That's quite sad, actually. Yeah, but I think the film really wants us to put the work down and explore other things. To stop worrying about going to the next thing and enjoy the journey now. The final test for you, Baba, is about knowing yourself and knowing what's around you and then recognizing that, right? Are these your parents? Yeah, so the name, who you exactly. are. Exactly. And the idea of having this balance while working to a better life really resonates with so-called our millennial generation, I guess. Especially when we see the horizon of a better life, or at least we are idealistic enough to do so. And I think the film, whether intended to or not, inspires that. Yeah, it's pretty hopeful. One more thing that I think people don't always intuitively think about is the depiction of love in Spirited Away. I told you how I was actually a bit irritated with the subtitles at one point because Zenziba called Haku Chihiro's boyfriend. But you also told me that uh, that was actually what was said in Japanese and reminded me that in context, it was not actually said as uh, an indication of their relationship but more of like Zenziba being sarcastic. And with that said, watching anime or Japanese animation films with English dubs is a serious social faux pas. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, and the reason why I was annoyed, honestly, because I feel that seeing the relationship between Haku and Shihiro as a romantic one actually taints the purity of their bond. It's just that they have an extremely strong relationship that it doesn't need to be a romantic one. And not every powerful relationship or meaningful relationship in our life has to be a romantic one. And this is a very, very dangerous misconception that I see many people bringing into adulthood. Yeah, true. So let me read a quote for you from an interview that Miyazaki did. So actually the original is in Japanese and perhaps some things are lost in translation. But honestly, when I read this quote, I felt kind of vindicated. Like, um, why did I feel so strongly about the bond between Chihiro and Haku? So this is the quote. I've become skeptical of the unwritten rule that just because a boy and a girl appear in the same feature, a romance must ensue. Rather, I want to portray a slightly different relationship, one where the two mutually inspire each other to live. If I'm able to, then perhaps I'll be closer to portraying a true expression of love. Isn't that just so beautiful? Now that's a wonderful sentiment. And I know a bit of Japanese, so I felt the nuance of an old lady calling them boyfriend and girlfriend. And that's how I know about it culturally in that sense. Mm -hmm. But it was more like you care for him as much as you would a boyfriend. And that old lady herself represented a simplistic view of the situation for sure. I think companionship is very important in this film, especially since... There's this connotation that Chihiro would have simply faded away and disappeared had Haku not appeared and guided her. 
Consequently, Chihiro's protectiveness and acceptance of new companions who are themselves going through a journey of self-discovery and maturity is a very visual mentality that looks out for others. Uh, that said, the intangible relationship that binds both Haku and Chihiro is similar to like a f- person finding a childhood friend again, I feel. Like there's this special recalling of a lost memory and rediscovery of previous memories that inspires the person who experiences it. I think this activity is something that links the past to the present and showing that understanding and being rooted in the past is also about being cognizant of our past experiences that have made us who we are today. Yeah, in a sense, it's like finding a lost or forgotten piece of yourself and making yourself a little bit more whole in yeah. that way, I guess. Yeah, so the final thing I have to mention about Spirited Away is its theme song, Always With Me. So remember, when we used to go to Hinokuniya and we used to go to that little section mm-hmm. with the music boxes yeah. and how we would always play that song. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I don't know how to explain it, but I won't say it's an entirely happy song. But at the same time, it's not an entirely sad song either. It inspires both. It's a mix of both. Yeah, And I guess the thing about Spirited Away that really amazes me is its ability to make this really terrifying experience we go through with Chihiro something that we are grateful for but also mourn at the end. As we witness Chihiro losing her innocence, we are also forced to confront our own loss and the inevitability of this loss of innocence. The thing is, the loss doesn't turn Chihiro bitter and resentful. And we too can choose a better way to live. Absolutely. Yeah, speaking about ways to live, this reminds me, I'm actually super excited for Miyazaki's next film, How Do You Live? And I've read the book and I understand why this book is one of his favourites and why he wants to make a film on this book. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. But I feel that a lot of Miyazaki's work can be witnessed rather than heard and that's a wonderful thing because this is how film and visuals can convey meaning through any language barrier and sure the context might be different but as we all have some exposure to cultures abroad i feel that increasingly such foreign themes and ideas become more and more relatable subconsciously Thankfully, the film does still restore hope for Chihiro's future and innocence by making her forget the entire ordeal. However, with how she remembered Haku throughout the film, did she really forget everything and move on? I think that's something we can all consider. Mm-hmm. That's the wonderful part of Miyazaki's construction. The parents themselves might have returned without any inkling of what happened, and Chihiro as well, but with what we've seen, the three of them has probably gone through a subconscious change, albeit a lot less for the parents. Well, speaking about change and transformations, favourite movie scene will return with an early 2000s rom-com classic, 13 Going on 30. So actually this is a response to a request from our lovely cousin Ashley, who actually noticed that we have yet to talk about any romantic comedies so far. So you've got at least two weeks to watch this film. There's nothing like watching Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Gardner dancing to Thriller on the dance floor. And this has been E.T. and I'll be seeing you. Well, I'm all ready for some razzles and secondhand embarrassment. Yep, this is Millie. And And we'll we'll be be seeing seeing you. you.